I want to tell you a story this morning found in Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 23. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those that were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately had counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Thank you, Terry. Well, good morning. Robert uh, Pelton, who writes for The Door, the Christian reader, made some pretty interesting observations of... uh, Rules that are still in the books of uh, little towns about how the community is supposed to uh, act and respond. And, uh, and a lot of it dealing with church life in that community. In Blackwater, Kentucky, it was found that tickling a woman under her chin with a feather duster while she's in church service carries a penalty of $10 and a day in jail. In Honey Creek, Iowa, no one is permitted to carry a slingshot to church, except a policeman is allowed. No citizen in Lick Creek, Arkansas, is allowed to attend church in any red-colored garment. How are we doing this morning? What do we got here? Let's really point those people out this morning. Swinging a yo-yo in church anywhere in public on the Sabbath is prohibited in Studley, Virginia. And this one, I think, which has the most impact, turtle races are not permitted within 100 yards of a local church at any time in Slaughter, Louisiana. Still in the books. It's absurdity, isn't it? And Jesus is facing this kind of absurdity with the Pharisees. And all of these rules and regulations that are being laid upon the people 
in the community of Galilee and in Israel in general. And Jesus has showed up proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. God in the flesh, the Son of Man, is here. And everything that you thought about relationship with God is, is wrong in how it's supposed to be. I'm going to show you what new relationship with a living God looks like. It's not about all of this ritual and the keeping of the rules and, and, and proclaiming your holiness. It's about surrendering your heart, recognizing your sin, being repentant and receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And Jesus is addressing in his community everything that's, that's being placed upon the people and, and all of the judgments and the criticism and, and the hindrances that are keeping people away from the love of Jesus Christ. And so he will confront that again today with the Pharisees and will address an area that is really putting a burden on the people, and it's around the area of Sabbath. What is the reason for Sabbath, and what is Sabbath rest all about? So let's pray this morning. Father, I just pray this morning that your Holy Spirit will minister to us. I pray that we will truly experience uh, your Sabbath rest in our hearts. I pray that you would help us uh, and forgive us for uh, our pursuit of holiness and and, and just our works. Um, You've paid it all, Father. And we uh, we have life because of you and all that you've done for us. And I pray, Father, when we uh, have hearts that are like the Pharisees, uh, critical, demanding, uh, placing all kinds of weight upon people, legalistic, uh, tear that stuff away from us, Father. Give us soft hearts uh, unto you, hearts full of grace so that, so that we may pour out grace upon others and let people really know of who you are and your love. We thank you for your word. Would you... Again, penetrate our hearts with it this morning. In your precious name, amen. Well, again, Jesus is facing the Pharisees, and, and we're at this place where uh, all, of the, all of these attacks are coming against Jesus about what he's doing in life, and they're getting quite angry. So not only is there there's all these rules and, and regulations and ritual being there, but now there's this tension, this incredible, it's palpable Uh, this murderous rage that's coming uh, from the Pharisees towards Jesus. It's like a volcano getting ready to erupt, and Jesus keeps just stabbing at it. And and now it's coming to a head, especially around the Sabbath. They're angry at Jesus because he forgave a man's sin. They're angry at Jesus because he ate a meal with notorious sinners. They're angry at Jesus because he refused to honor their rituals. They're angry at Jesus because his disciples are plucking grain. They're angry at Jesus because he will not play by their rules. And so they want to kill him. The other Gospels are real clear. They're out to take Jesus out. Not just to rebuke him, to kill him. And this is the scene we enter in today. And Jesus is going to go and attack and respond to what is most sacred to the Pharisees and to the Jewish people, the Sabbath. It's to the core and the heart of the people. N.T. Wright comments about this, and he says, the Sabbath was so significant for the Jewish people, especially the Pharisees. It was, it was intertwined with their national identity. It spoke to their 
their liberation, the people of Israel liberated out of Egypt. Keeping the Sabbath meant you were saying, we are God's people. It identifies us in who we are. It's a badge of our Jewishness. We are the ones who've been persecuted and we've been killed for being Jews. When a Jew kept the Sabbath, they remembered God's work in creating the world and creating them as as a people, as his people, and they anticipated God's future work in liberating them from the enemies once again. The Pharisees held on to the Sabbath like no other. It was their badge of honor. They could prove their holiness, their righteousness, by keeping the Sabbath laws, in which they added more and more and more. And so, Jesus, how dare you Go against our Sabbath rules. And so they keep coming after Jesus. They are keeping a close eye upon him. Again, with a murderous rage. Everything, what can we do to catch this guy in breaking the Sabbath because we want to kill him? And that's what they're doing. So surely, they see the guys plucking the grain because they're right next to him. And they bring their attacking question, why do they... Do that which is unlawful on the Sabbath. Well, first of all, it wasn't unlawful to pluck grain. It was in the scriptures where you were allowed to glean the edges of the field. It was meant for those who were hungry and in need. And so you were able to glean those uh, edges and you could grab grain or some grapes or whatever if you were hungry. It was intended and it was set up that way. So that wasn't unlawful. What they were getting at is, He's breaking this, and they're doing this. They're eating grain on the Sabbath. And, and as, they, as they shuck the, the heads, that's work. It's on the Sabbath. Can't do it. Why is he breaking the Sabbath and doing that which is unlawful? Well, unlawful according to who? According to the Pharisees and man, who's added all these rules. Now, l- let me remind you, of what the law of the Lord said through Moses. Exodus 20, we know this in the Ten Commandments. Here's what it says. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, set it apart. Six days you shall labor and do your work, and the seventh day is a Sabbath, a rest unto your Lord, our God, and on it you shall not do any work. So what was the law really? The law was, you shall not work on the seventh day. You shall not work at the job that you work at. Do you understand? So if you're a, a, a mason, don't, don't do your work that day. Don't lay any more bricks. You're to rest. That was the law. But the Pharisees decided, well, that's not good enough. We need to have more so that we can really obey God, really be righteous and holy, and we want everybody to see that, and so we can check off our list and our our godliness is shown to all of mankind. The Pharisees were not judging these men according to the law of Moses, the law of God. They were judging according to the traditions and the teachings of men, and they're putting them on the same level as the word of God. Oh, that's a dangerous place to be. Follow what we have said, how the Sabbath should be, not what God has said. Sabbath had become a crushing burden to the people of Israel. 
And it was robbing them of their joy in God as individuals, as families, as a whole nation. And that's the problem that Jesus is addressing. That's the core of what he's getting at. You're robbing people from life in me. The kingdom of God is at hand. All this Sabbath that you've been doing and trying to show your holiness and relationship with me is not the way it's meant to be. It's not who I am. It's not how I want to have relationship with you. My relationship with you is is actual relationship. And it's a love and it's a covenant and it's forgiveness and it's a new covenant that's coming in. Kingdom of God is at hand. It's new wine. You can't put that in old wineskins because this joy of who I am is going to bust through all that. Remember last week? It's not a band-aid on Judaism. It's a whole new relationship. And the Pharisees keep trying to keep it in this place where this is how you have relationship with God. And again, it's just this weight. Let me give you some of the, the rules of Sabbath, the weight upon the people. People were forbidden from traveling more than 3,000 feet from their home on Sabbath. A Jew could not carry an object that weighed more than a dried fig. But an object that weighed half of that amount could be carried twice. So you got that going for you. One could eat nothing larger than an olive. Here's one that I just go, I don't even know when you would apply this. It says, it says, you cannot throw an object into the air with one hand and catch it with the other. I, I guess there's no juggling on Sabbath. Where's David Rush? J- David, no juggling on the Sabbath. Can't be doing this stuff. Now this one, I don't even know how you keep track of this. If, if you're reaching out for some food, and all of a sudden, Sabbath time, like the moment came, as you're reaching out for that food, you would have to drop that food right where it's at, because if you were to pull your hand back with the food in your hand, when it became Sabbath, that would be constituted as work, and therefore, there would be judgment upon that. You couldn't buy anything or sell anything. Clothing cannot be washed or dyed. A woman, this is key, A woman cannot look into a looking glass because she might see the gray hair and be tempted to pull it out. (laughs) I know none of you women do that here. And this was a biggie. False teeth could not be worn because they were heavier than a fig. So, couldn't wear your false teeth on the Sabbath. You're carrying them. You know, in the Talmud, there were 24 chapters. 24 chapters of Sabbath laws. One rabbi said he spent two and a half years just on chapter one trying to keep all the rules. Do you understand what Sabbath had become and it was never intended to be? Sabbath had become this just amazing burden and then the Pharisees were able to become the ones who were Lord of the Sabbath and they were the ones who were able to point out your sin and your brokenness. They were the ones that make all the rules and tell you exactly how you have to have a relationship with God. And it was killing the people. New kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of God has arrived. Now let me, let me just make this statement. Obedience, obedience to the Lord's commands is good. It's good. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. But he never intended that command, that calling to be, to be this oppressive pressure of, of now developing all these rules and rituals into how to have life with Christ. He's trying to give you life. As he gives us as he gives us the word of God, here's how to have life, real life. And yet man has, has laid on all this extra. And then not only have we laid it on, then we, then we are able to, to judge you. 
for when you mess up. And so Jesus is going to attack all of that, that spiritual pride that's developing, especially in the Pharisees. And if we're real honest, sometimes we are like that. Our spiritual pride, it's a huge area that I think all of us in our journey struggle with, where we just think we've got the answer to our Christianity, and you better follow suit. So Jesus goes after their spiritual pride, their arrogance, and their knowledge of the scriptures. And the way he does that, he says this, as they ask that question, why is it that there are plucking grain on the Sabbath? And Jesus says, well, you who are so knowledgeable in the scriptures, think you have it all together, have you not read what David did when he was in need and hungry? Have you not read? Basically, don't you know the scriptures? To the guys who were supposed to be the know-it-alls of scriptures. Don't you know the scriptures? That's like going to your your college professor in math and saying, don't you realize two plus two is four? I mean, that's how attacking and belittling it would be. Don't you know the scriptures? You who think you hold lordship over all of that. Don't you know what it said about David? David, when his men were hungry, went into the holy place, grabbed the bread of presence, which was only meant for the priest. Remember the 12 loaves that were put in there? It was only meant for the priest. That was the rules. That's the rule. You've got to keep the rules. They're starving. David went in. He grabbed the bread of presents. He ate some. He gave some to his men, just enough so that they could be uh, filled. Don't you know that story? He's asking them a question. Don't you know the story? What's their answer? Crickets. It's crickets. They got nothing because they know they're caught. Because they know this. Did God rebuke David for doing that? Did God lay all this uh, judgment upon him for doing that? No, he didn't. When you go look in 1 Samuel 21, no, God did not. You think you're Lord of the Sabbath, Pharisees. You think you're the ones who lay the rules. And then he makes this incredible claim. You see, the Sabbath was not to be laid out upon you where the Sabbath was... Made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Like David went in and took the bread. David was greater than the Sabbath. Jesus is greater than the Sabbath. It wasn't made to be this oppressive thing upon you. It was made for you, for your rest, for your drawing near to God. And you've taken it and you've twisted it. And you need to know very clearly, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, it's far more important to know Jesus, to know Him through personal relationship than it is to keep the ritual and the rules. It's more important to know who He is and have life with Him than to keep the ritual and the rules. And especially in a time of need, humanity, God's creation, you and me, is so much more important. He understands our need, and he responds to that. And yet the Pharisees were taking all this, twisting it. And again, they were reflecting a God that wasn't who God was. Jesus is greater than the Sabbath. Well, you know, what are, what are a few things in this first portion of the Scriptures that we, can, that we can glean from here? What is the reason for the Sabbath? Basically what it's asking is, what is, what is God's heart towards us? Really? What's he all about? The reason for the Sabbath is rest from work, your normal daily work. Remember the Sabbath. God delivered you. It's a, it's a wonderful 
time to remember your redemption, that you were delivered out. God did all of that to receive his blessing, to receive his joy. There's new wineskins. To come into a place of worship, of really drawing near to God. Thankful that we, we are thankful for all that God has done for us. We're, we're full of praise. We're at peace with God because of who Jesus is in our lives. We're at rest in our relationship with our loving God. You see, this, this is the heart of God for you and for me. And this was the heart of God for the people of Israel. And the Pharisees were keeping them away. There was, there was this brick wall. Every time they were drawing near to, to Jesus, the Pharisees would put this brick wall and it would just hinder them and they couldn't break through. And they kept putting more bricks. The heart of God is to show grace and to understand who he is. There's a new kingdom. And because of Jesus, it's no longer about a day. It's not a, lot, it's not a day. We have Sabbath rest every day in Christ Jesus. He is our Sabbath rest. A new kingdom has arrived in Christ Jesus. He is our Sabbath rest. We have rest in our soul, in our relationship with God. We have rest in Him. He is Lord of our lives. And yet you Pharisees, you critical ones, you, you self-righteous ones are keeping people away from that truth. And Jesus is dealing right to it going right after it. I think some of the principles we can pull out uh, out of this little section is, is, you know, again, they're late. Why is he breaking the law? He says, don't you know what the scriptures say? I think that's really important for us in today's culture especially, right? What do the scriptures really say about an issue or about life? Who is Jesus really? Let's go to the scriptures and let's search them out. Let's understand who he is and and truly know his love for us and his amazing grace that that just blows us away. Let us us understand the gospel of Jesus that, that, that God so loved us that he gave his son, died on the cross for us, that whoever would believe upon him should have life. Whoever would believe upon him should have life. Not whoever jumps through all these hoops and does all these works of righteousness but who believes, really places their faith in him. Do you understand? That's the new kingdom in Christ. And because of that, we have Sabbath rest. And so Jesus is laying that out. But we need to know the word of God. We need to be like the Bereans, who every time Paul would teach, the Bereans would... This is why we have this Berean room, by the way. The Berean room is the place the Bereans would go, and, and after Paul would teach, they would go and say, thank you, Paul, for sharing the word of God. Now we're going to actually go search the scriptures and see if what you're saying is true. That's being a good Berean. So we call that the Berean room because that's our place of searching the scriptures. It's where we hold our study center classes and all our classes. So know the word of God and what it really says about who our Lord is. Because when you know that, you realize it's not God who placed all these these rules and ritual upon us. It's people. You know, I, I talk to people a lot of times who, who just can't stand the church. And I go, why is it you can't stand the church? Well, because these people, you know, either judge me or... I go, but that's not the God of the Bible. That's not who Jesus is. That's just messed up people. This isn't what the scriptures say about who Jesus is and how, how he views you. And so let us bring forth what the Bible really says about how he loves us. We tend to... to to twist and, and to take out of context. And we try to fit the scriptures 
so that it surrounds our sinful lifestyle and basically we can live our sinful lifestyle and like, oh, well, scriptures sort of don't really speak to this issue. Let's reinterpret the scriptures. Here's the other thing that we see in this passage that's really awesome. Is we see God's incredible love for humanity and our need. It's much more important than keeping the ritual and the rules. Again, obedience is good, but God is concerned about our need. Where are we at at the moment? He wants you to have relationship with him. And it doesn't come through just works righteousness. People are so much more important. You see, the Lord of the Sabbath is keeping, the Lord of the Sabbath is coming in and claiming to be God in the flesh. And he cares about people and their hearts. So Jesus enters the synagogue, and we're going to see more how he cares about people more than, than keeping the rules. And there's a man in the synagogue with a withered hand. And the man is in there with a withered hand, and, and it's, it's said that the, the Pharisees actually put him there as a trap because they knew Jesus was in the business of healing people. It was a man who, uh, the stories go that he was a man who was uh, in construction and his hand got crushed in construction. And so what that really means is he, he couldn't work. And so here's this man in, in the middle of the synagogue. We think again the Pharisees are just waiting to, to set him up. Uh, and we know they want to trap him. And so it comes right in. And so what's the issue? Here's the deal. William Barclay speaks on what you could do uh, as far as healing someone on Sabbath if they were injured. There's all kinds of rules again about that. Medical attention, Barclay says, could only be given if a life was in danger. If a wall fell on someone, you could do enough work where you can clear the wall away to see if the person is dead or alive. If he was alive, you can help him out. If he's dead, you leave him. That was the rules. Again, basically what it said is, if there's an injury that, that is going to get worse, then you can help him out. But if not, just leave it be. So the man with the withered hand, it, Jesus could have left it till the next day, right? But Jesus is attacking these hard hearts. He's attacking these hard hearts. And he's getting after them and going, listen, yeah, I could wait till the next day but I, I need to show you and I need to attack and challenge everything that you've laid out. You're keeping people from me. You're keeping people from my love and my grace. And, and the Pharisees keep stepping in and putting more rules. Jesus gets really angry with them. We see later in the scriptures, he calls them a brood of vipers. He calls them whitewashed tombs. I mean, Jesus is on full attack mode against the Pharisees because they are not in any way representing the character of God and his love and grace. And Jesus is not okay with that. And we shouldn't be either. We really shouldn't. And so Jesus deals with this situation. The Pharisees are more concerned about the Sabbath laws than about the fact that this man has a withered hand. And the withered hand, again, always physical stuff represents a spiritual nature of people. The, the Pharisees have a withered faith. And they're more concerned about catching Jesus than this man doesn't have a job and he's struggling and he's hurting and they're missing his heart. You know, we do that. I don't think we intentionally do that, but there are ways that we, you know, again, we're more concerned about the rules and, and looking Christian and, and making everything, you know, be right. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or we don't want to be unfair uh, and things in godliness. 
I'll give you an example. This happened many years ago when I was youth pastor. But I was at a camp, and, and we, we would take you know, hundreds of kids up to, to Quaker Hill for winter camp. And there was one kid that I really loved, but he didn't really have anything to do with God. And, uh, and I wanted to bring him to camp. But this kid, this kid, again, kind of rough around the edges, uh, and he smoked. And he actually kind of was addicted to cigarettes, where if he didn't have cigarettes, he would, he would get the shakes. You know, some of you who are smokers, used to be smokers, you know that feeling. And you kind of would need a nicotine, you know, rush. And so this kid, this kid came up to camp, and I wanted him to be there. And he's like, hey, Rod, can I go have a smoke? And I'm like, yeah, listen, you just, I just want you to go. I want you to go back behind uh, this building over here so it's just not out in front of everybody. And, but yeah, go have your smoke, you know? And uh, so he went to do that. Some other leaders were, co- were coming in to do chapel time. Some other leaders were coming down. They were walking around that area, and they saw him smoking over there, and they got angry. What's this kid doing smoking? And they came to me, and they were angry at me. Rod, we, we've laid out the camp rules. You just did it. You, you know, you said no alcohol, no tobacco, you know, all this stuff. And you laid out the rules, and that's, we need to send this kid home. And first of all, I said to them, I said, listen, you need to understand something. I am Lord of this camp. <laughs> you, you need to get that real clear. Here's the other thing you need to get clear. I'm the one who made those rules. And yeah, there were rules for the general camp. But you got to understand something. You're missing the whole thing here. This kid doesn't have anything to do with God right now. And so you want me to, you want me to send him home because he's having a cigarette? You want me to send him home to what? To a bunch of guys who have nothing to do with God and they're probably going to get in a lot of trouble and do ungodly things? Or would you rather him be here and actually hear about the love of Jesus and be surrounded by a Christian community that loves him and cares for him? Would you rather that I do life or death, really? And they, quite frankly, were just frustrated with me. You know, it's not fair. And they walked off, and we we had issues for a while. That kid, that kid came to know the love of Jesus. That kid has, has grown up into this awesome, godly man. He has a beautiful, godly family. And they all smoke together. It's just, I mean, it's just awesome. No, they don't. <laughs> he wanted to keep loving his wife and kids. But, you know, what are we more concerned about? Keeping the rules? It wasn't, the rules weren't made to be this heavy judgment upon people. God's concerned about the heart of man. Don't you understand? Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? What's their answer to that question? Crickets. Because they know. They know, but they will not give up their Sabbath rules. And Jesus gets incredibly angry. He turns a little bit green on this one. The, the, the word has the idea of like a sap busting out through a tree. It's just, it can't hold itself anymore. Why is he angry? He's angry because their hearts are so hard to him. He's angry because they're misleading his people and, and his beautiful love for them. And they won't soften their hearts. It actually says, you know, this is amazing about Jesus. He says he's grieved over them, over their hard hearts. That hardness is, is a word for a certain marble that was in the land. It was really a hard marble. And he's grieved over their hearts that they, they won't see who he is. They're trying to live in all this righteousness and they're missing Jesus right in the middle of it. 
and he grieves and he's angry. And so he heals that man. Stretch out your hand. You know the thing that's interesting is Jesus just speaks. What's the work that Jesus does on Sabbath for that? Nothing. He just speaks and the man's hand is healed. Pharisees don't care. They're like, we're going to get you. So they run off to the Herodians. They're political enemies, by the way. And make a partnership with them to kill Jesus. Oh, Jesus' heart aches over, the, over hearts that will not be softened unto his love and grace. In this passage, we're, we're confronted with a stark contrast between dead, legalistic, mournful, religious forms and the contrast of living in liberty and the joy and the life and the grace found in our Lord Jesus Christ. This passage can be challenging in how we view scriptures, how we view Sabbath. You know, one of the things I realized as I studied Sabbath is that the scriptures of Sabbath, it's not about, Sabbath rest is not about doing nothing. You know what's amazing? All through the scriptures when you see Jesus, he's doing all kinds of good on Sabbath. A Sabbath heart and living, living a life of Sabbath in Christ is, is, is a heart of doing good. You know why? Because God is good. That's his nature. Again, it's not about a day anymore. It's about a life of Sabbath rest in Christ. He's doing good. Matthew 23, 23 says, Listen, you missed it. You, you, you were doing all these rules, but you missed justice and mercy and faithfulness. I think this passage is not only challenging, it's convicting if, by the Holy Spirit if there's ways in us where we're just not, we're just, basically we're having hearts like the Pharisees, hearts that are judgmental, that are critical, we're so focused on what it looks like to be a Christian um, that we, we, we miss Jesus in the middle of it and or we push Jesus out because we're still pursuing works righteousness. We're trying to do all this stuff for Jesus to show who we are in Christ instead of just an obedience out of love for Jesus. Maybe sometimes we're placing legalism on others because uh, we just think, again, our way is right. I think it challenges us to ask the question, are, are, we, are we actually in any way holding anybody back from experiencing the love and the grace, the tenderness, the forgiveness of Jesus? Are we doing that like the Pharisees sometimes? You know, here's one area that and this is personal for me, and I think it's something that all of us, all of us are kind of challenged with today in our culture. Uh, and where we can be holding people back maybe from really knowing Jesus fully. Uh, and that's the area of, of loving our gay community. Uh, you know, we, we are constantly faced today with, with our gay community. It's just, it's constantly on the news. We have friends uh, and family who are uh, really wrestling with their sexual identity, trying to understand that. We have Christian friends uh, who, who are Christians who are wrestling with their sexual identity. And a lot of times, to be real honest, and I've been this way, my immediate response is, no, out here, wrong. Instead of, instead of coming to a place and going, you know what, I'm not going to hold back from saying what the truth says about homosexual life and lifestyle. I'm not going to hold back from that. But I'm not going to keep you out from, from really uh, being loved up by Jesus and really starting to seek your, your identity in Christ. And I just think that's a challenge for all of us, quite honestly. It's something that we as elders and staff are really trying to, to process together. And I thought, you know what? 
it is one area we can be Pharisees uh, and really be critical, judgmental, and automatically our go-to mode is stay away. Uh, and I just want to encourage all of us to, to really reconsider that. Consider our heart for our gay community, and especially those Christian brothers and sisters who are struggling with their sexual identity, trying to know who they are in Christ. And this passage is convicting about that. Because Jesus is going, you know what? You're laying all this burden upon people, and I'm trying to draw them near to myself, and you're not allowing it. Is there ways that we're thinking, and we have spiritual pride, thinking that our way of Christianity is the only way? What about Lent? Do we, do we take Lent and say, well, you know, that's a Catholic thing, and kind of a weird ritual, and say, this is the way we do church, and this is the proper way? Spiritual pride. I think it's a challenge on that for us. The Pentecostals, they stand up and raise their hands, but they're drawing close to Jesus. Are we critical of, of the way people do their, their spiritual practice? And we lay that on them and, and, and almost make them feel guilty about it. I think it's a great passage to kind of let the Holy Spirit convict you in areas where we may be like the Pharisees. And let God do his refining work in us because he wants us to enter in to life in him and the spiritual pride and the spiritual uh, arrogance and all of this uh, ritual and laws is just placing this incredible burden on people and they're not able to, to step into his presence and really know the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. And they're not able to enter into his Sabbath rest. What it was. And so I hope we as a people can draw people in to a Sabbath rest in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your Sabbath rest, that it truly is in you. And we thank you, Father, for the work uh, that you're doing in people's hearts and how you grieve over hearts that, that uh, just re are resistant to you. And so, Father, I pray for all of our hearts that we are open to what you have for us, that we are open to uh, your refining work in us. I pray for hearts that, that don't know you here, Lord Jesus, that they would truly uh, soften and know that, you're, that you love them and, uh, and want to adopt them as your children. And so, Father, pour out your Holy Spirit into the hearts of those in this room. Soften them. And Father, again, would your spirit convict us if there's any way in us that is opposite of you, that's going contrary to you. Help us to be full of grace and mercy and love, tenderness. And may we display Sabbath rest in you to this world who needs that. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.